you know, this whole idea of this fearless freedom is just, it's so powerful. And I think in today's world, we need it because oh, there is so much fear in the world and we need to have a certain fearless aspect of ourselves to help love and support ourselves and others. Fear stops us from achieving our true greatness. Are you a professional woman who is feeling stuck, unmotivated, or burned out? Are you worried about your wellness? Are you letting fear stop you from crushing your goals? If you answered yes to any or all of these, then this is the podcast for you. Dr. Charmaine Gregory, night shift emergency physician, burnout thriver, and wellness champion, along with everyday heroes just like you, will explore how to face fear in our lives and emerge victoriously. Dr. Gregory here. Did you know that I'm on YouTube as well? You can find me at Charmaine Gregory, MD. See you there. There. Hello, 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 Fearless Freedom Tribe. This is Dr. G, and we are back for another week of the Fearless Freedom with Dr. G podcast. And today we have Michael Harris with us, and he is going to tell you all about who he is and what he is up to. Take it away, Michael. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. G. It, it's really great to be here. And when when I saw your show and, you know, the whole idea of being fear, fearless, free, fearless freedom with Dr. G, I immediately like grabbed a hold of that because one of the things that I certainly have uh, experienced in life is, is enough fear to have had to walk through it many times. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> So, you know, you have to like expound upon that because yes. <laughs> now we're curious as to one of the things that um, that you had to tap into your fear and how you overcame that and all of that. Well, there, there, we, we may not have enough time for all of it in this one podcast. Sure. But I'll, I'll give you the a little bit of the short story. How's that? That sounds good. Okay. So. And I'm going to go backwards rather than um, in order. So in 1986, I showed up at OHSU for those listeners. That's Oregon Health Sciences University. And I showed up in in the vascular department there and I could barely walk. I was a young man, 27 years old. I wasn't really quite sure what was going to happen, but they ended up telling me that my right leg popliteal artery was 100% blocked, and my left leg was 65% blocked. I had peripheral vascular disease, atherosclerosis, whatever you want to call it. My cholesterol, my blood panels were all normal. My cholesterol was 140. So as, an, as a physician, you know what I'm saying about yes, this. Yes, I do. And I'm wondering, yeah. why would you have that at 27? Well, that's what they were wondering, too. Okay. <laughs> so when, when you know they they started doing the exam, the nurse did, and she immediately went over to the the phone. At that time, they still had phones on the wall. I I haven't been in a hospital for a long time, so I don't know what they have, but they had a phone on the wall at the time. And um, about ten minutes later, one of the vascular guys came down, 
and took a look at me and took a look at my leg and said, you know, we're probably going to have to take your right leg. We'll see whether we can save the left leg. And I told him in no uncertain terms at the time, um, well, I won't use the full terminology, but I'll say, F you, you're not taking either one of my legs. I mean, I, I was just like, I can still see myself and hear myself saying that, right? And he said, well, we, we have to do a surgery right away. We need to admit you in the hospital. I said, no, I'm busy. I'll come back in a couple of days. <laughs> that was a great look. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, it's just so funny how the wild abandon of youth just uh, thinks that you're impervious to uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the consequences well, of I, I taking the action, right? I mean, right. but right. I'm curious now. So, so, so then, so you tell them you're busy and you don't get admitted? I, I don't get a minute. I come back three days later okay. and they do a fem. I do a fem pop, which okay. you, you know what that is. But yes. again, the listeners essentially bypass surgery on the legs. I won't mm -hmm. get into all the medical part of it, but they, they did the bypass the fem pop and it restored the blood for a period of time. A month later, I started getting a bunch of blood clots um, and I was readmitted and Coumadin and all that kind of stuff. Got it. And th then a few months later, my legs had reblocked again. And so I was readmitted back into the hospital. They wanted to do another surgery. And I said, no way, no how. Mm -hmm. Tell me, why is this happening? They said, we don't know. Normally it happens, you know, in somebody that's not 27, but maybe 72. Right. Right. 82. Who's been you a know, smoker their whole entire life or something yeah. or. Yeah. Okay. Now I had been smoking, but I was still young. So normally right. it doesn't set in that early. Right. I had been drinking, but you know. What about family history? Any family history of any like. Uh, well, my, my dad had passed of, of a cardiac arrest of a heart attack. He never had peripheral issues. And I never had, he? pardon me? How old was he when he passed? 58. That's really young. Yeah. Now, my grandfather on my mom's side was 96. Okay. Hmm. Right? So I'm 63 now. Right? So I'm still alive. You surpassed your dad. Yeah, I surpassed you are, my dad. And you are, you're going to be probably following the footsteps of your granddad. Well, With I've always longevity. thought it could be 108. I mean, why not? Okay. I've always enough. thought 108, <laughs> and I was going to be healthy. Now, I don't know if I'll be like George Burns and have a cigar and right, you know, well. a little shot of vodka <laughs> and two pretty women, but I'll be 108, you know. Gotcha. Fair uh, enough. At least that's what, what I've always thought. So I left the hospital AMA against medical advice. Right. You know, I find out they brought me to the door. I had my cane and I walked away with my cane. And at that time, I didn't really know anything about anything. Right. I just knew that I didn't want to keep having surgery every few months. I just wasn't going to do it. I didn't want to right. do it. I'll go back, but then I'll come back to this. Yes, and absolutely. Yeah, in 1971, and this is what I what I loved about Travis being on the show too, because he was a golfer. You know, he's a great golfer. So 1971, I won the junior championship at, at Portland Golf Club. I was 12 years old. Right. 
Awesome. And I thought that I was going to be a pro golfer. You know, I never went on the tour or anything else. Okay. But, you know, so I, 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 you know, knowing a little bit about Travis's story and, and the golfing is just like, yeah. You know, one time we were actually in the same mastermind group together a few years ago. There was a group of us that were in that. But that's another story. So 1971, shortly after I won the club championship, I was also a hot shot water skier. And I was out water skiing and I hit the beach one day going a little too fast. I like doing uh -oh. beach. Hit the beach going a little too fast and, you know, went smack. And at first, the ER department at Seaside Hospital in Oregon, which was a tiny hospital, mm -hmm. they said I was just bruised up and I'd be okay. Well, the, the next day I was in the hospital in Portland. And before I knew it, I was waking up about 10 days later and they had removed 60% of my liver, my gallbladder, cracked ribs, collapsed lung, coma. I had a near-death experience, died and came back. Wow. <laughs> That's so again, with nuts. my legs, I didn't want to have another surgery. I'd had it with surgeries. You know? Oh, I, I forgot... Um, 21 blood transfusions. I don't think I mentioned that, did I? During the trauma, during the trauma, uh, the trauma situation, right? Yeah. In, in my in the, the liver, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, one of those 20-hour surgeries that goes forever, and had a tube in the side of me for about eight months. You know, mm -hmm. drain tube, and yeah. um, um, it was quite the ordeal. You know, and the. The doctor at that time, he had just come to Portland. I grew up in Portland. He had just come to Portland from Philly and he did the surgery. And later on, my parents became good friends with, with him around the golf club because he was also part of the golf club. Okay. Um, became good friends with him. And he said, you know, Michael, he says, I didn't save your life. He says, you know, I gave you a lot of stitches. I put all this together he said but god saved your life he says i was just there you know i was the hands but i didn't do it he says i didn't expect you to live wow you know 1971 supposedly i was the earliest or the youngest person in 1971 to have that much of their liver removed and survive i don't know if that's still the case you know, it was, they're saying 60, 65% of the liver. But as you know, too, in some situations, the, the liver regenerates. So yes. the liver did regenerate. You know, it doesn't generally with cancer and cirrhosis and those things. But in my situation. A previously yeah. healthy liver will count. Right. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was lucky in that sense. I'm going to speed back up to walking out of the hospital after my surgeries on my legs. So I'm walking out of the hospital. Now it's 1987. I don't know where I'm going to go. And the professor and vascular, or the professor, the associate professor of vascular surgery at OHSU basically said, if it hurts, don't walk very much, right? Mm -hmm. And it was, yeah. it was primarily from claudication, from not enough blood, you know, in my legs. And so I showed up at a place called the Pritikin Longevity Center, which was, um, I don't know if you've heard of it. There was a gentleman named Nathan Pritikin that started it years ago. And 
he based it on some uh, Mexican native Indians that their diet was primarily a plant-based diet. Mm -hmm. And they could run, you know, like a hundred miles without stopping, just ridiculous, right? Mm -hmm. So it was one of the tribes down in Mexico and he, he started this longevity center. A lot of it had to do with diet and weight loss and such. However, I was never overweight. Right. So when I showed up there, the doctor that examined me and talked with me basically said, Michael, when it walks or when it hurts, get up and walk. Right. So I was walking maybe 10 feet at the time. This okay. is 1987. And I had a cane. I could barely walk. So this facility is right on the boardwalk in Santa Monica, kind of by the Santa Monica Pier. And he said, just start walking. And he says, what's happening is you're starting to build new collateral blood vessels. He says, your legs are sending signals to the brain that you're not getting enough blood, which is sending signals back to build the collateral blood vessels. Hmm. So as I started walking up and down the boardwalk, I'd walk 10, 12, 20 feet and stop. I'd do the same thing. And I kept doing it. And basically went from about the pier in Santa Monica down to Marina del Rey and Venice Beach and Muscle Beach and, and all this. And I have to tell you, there are a lot of girls in bikinis rollerblading up and down the boardwalk, right? I was not going to be the 97-pound weakling with sand kicked in his face, right? Oh. So I stood up tall. I was, you know, strong. So no cane. Right, right. No cane. Okay. No. No, but then I would just sit down and just kind of look around and then just get up and go. Within two weeks, I was walking two miles unassisted. And so I had restored the blood flow back to my legs, whether it was the collateral vessels or also my popliteal artery and, and the other vessels. Um, I restored it through the walking and through the diet, right? Mm -hmm. Very quickly. And I ended up going there twice. But one of the things that happened when, when I was there, in the basement, they had a gentle yoga stretching class. Okay. I'm getting up to the fear part because this is really important because I love what some of your other guests had to say too because I listened to some of it. And it's so important for this show and, and for the listeners. So I, I started doing yoga. I never thought about doing it before. My mom, when I was in the 80s, she would, when I was younger, she would go to these, this crazy yoga teacher and it's like, oh, mom's going to that yoga class again, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I started doing this the yoga. And then when I returned to Portland, I kept doing it and I kept feeling better and I liked it, right? I started doing the hot yoga, the Bikram yoga in 1993, oh, wow. right? Bikram. I hated it. It was hot. <laughs> it was sweaty and it was stupid. Right. But I kept doing it because I felt better. Sure. I, I, I made a bunch of money in, in the 90s. I was doing some option trade, trading. And so I, I made some money and I decided to take a couple years off and just do yoga. Well, this crazy yoga teacher, Bikram, Bikram Yoga, mm -hmm. was doing this teacher training in 1998. And I wanted to go there because I wanted to study with a bona fide yoga master from India. Okay. 
I didn't care about being a teacher. I had no interest in being a teacher. So I went to the training. And again, this is the fear part, right? right? And I went to him and I said, Bikram, how do I modify the postures? How do I adjust this? I got this thing going on with my legs. What do I do? And I didn't recognize this till later. I can't say that at the moment it was, it was an epiphany because it wasn't. It was, I actually got kind of angry at Bikram. You know, he said, Michael, don't worry about it. Forget about it. Just do the yoga. Mm. My mind was worrying about it. I wasn't going to forget about it. He obviously didn't understand. I obviously was at the wrong yoga teacher person, right? Uh. And he said, just keep doing it. <laughs> well, the, the pain that I had left in my body, the 10 years of pain that was still there, I just had a little bit. You know, instead of being a nine all the time, I would pop up to one and two from time to time, right? Okay. With, with my legs. Yes. With, within a couple of weeks again of doing the yoga, we were doing yoga four to six hours a day in the hot room. Wow. Yeah, Michael, don't worry about it. Forget about it. And I actually wanted my money back at first. And he said, no, you don't get any money back. You just keep practicing. And I kept doing it. My pain totally disappeared. Wow. So why do I say this? Don't worry about it. Forget about it. Well, that was now 24 years ago. And you know, I've owned studios, I've owned several studios, I've partnered in several studios, I've helped train nearly 7,000 teachers, I've done business coaching for yoga studios all over the world. Um, I still teach today, I teach about 10 classes a day. The biggest lesson that I had in yoga has nothing to do with how well to do triangle pose or bow pose or anything else. The biggest lesson that I ever had was letting go of fear. Don't mm. worry about it. Forget about it. Mm. And once I understood that, and once I began to understand even the medical aspects of that and the creation oh, yeah. of stress, and oh, yeah. uh, again, a lot of your, your other guests have, have talked about this same similar process. And I started diving into the works of like Dr. John Sarno, if you're familiar with him, and he wrote a book called Healing Back Pain in the early 70s and dived into this whole mind-body thing, which I don't like that terminology because it's a separation and it's not a separation. It's the same, right? Yeah. At least yeah. For, for me, it is, right? So I started diving into him and, and there's another organization in Portland started by a guy named Dr. David Clark. And it's okay. called the PPDA. It's a Psychophysiological Disorders Association. And he started taking a look at gastro issues. He was a gastroenterologist out of Stanford. And he started looking at gastro issues and going, why are all these people having all these gastro issues? Why are they having all these surgeries? Why aren't these surgeries working? You know, if, you know, we're doing so great. So he started looking at the relationship that the interplay, you know, between the mind and the body and started realizing that much of the gastro issues had to do with the state of mind. Mm. And he started treating people on that sense. Now, again, here's a professor. He also became a professor at OHSU, professor of gastroenterology, associate professor of ethics. 
So he's got some credentials behind him, right? And so he went out and started the PPDA. And part of what he does today is to go around the country helping other physicians change the diagnostic process because it's so body intensive. So he started incorporating, you know, how do you diagnose, you know, psych, as he calls it, psychophysiological, because it's more medical terminology, but that psychophysiological interplay and how is it affecting ourselves in disease, our body, how does it create fear? How does it create fear, create stress? How does the stress create ailments, regardless of what? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you see a lot of that, I'm sure, as an oh, yeah. doctor. Yes, yeah. we do. We see quite yeah. a bit of that. Yeah. Quite you know, what, whether it's gastroenteritis, whether it's mental health, whether it's a lot of, I know a lot of um, alcoholism every day, you know, probably every shift. Oh, yeah. you see somebody. Oh, yeah. It's just like constant. So it's like letting, don't worry about it. Forget about it. Like, I love it. Oh, I got to grab a hold of this. Right. Yeah. 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 You want to be in control. I mean, that is like, um, it is such a a interesting um, commentary because, you know, like uh, that is really what we always want. We want to have the reins. We want to be in control. We, you know, your, your surgeon says, you know, Hey, I didn't, you know, I didn't do anything. I just like did the actions, but you know, higher power was the one that actually like basically delivered you from the illness, you know? (laughs) And then, and then you have a yoga teacher that is saying, you know, it's, it's really the power of the mind. Like it all comes down to that. And it's like, we are our worst crippling enemy right because in everything in everything so in us being held back from success it's our mind in us being held back from healing it's our mind i mean yes there are physical things there's no doubt about that i'm not trying to say that but um you know so i really appreciate you sharing the story because uh and taking us through it like that i feel like that was really helpful because you know we really were able to to be with you from and understand why you were like, no, I'm not staying in this hospital for this additional <laughs> procedure because you'd been through quite a bit before and you'd had a lot done to you before and right. you had overcome that. And so it was like something inside you was like, I'm going to overcome this also. And that's very powerful. I think that is like, probably the most powerful thing that can help you to get towards health, towards healing. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people, unfortunately, don't have that, you know, right. unfortunately, I see people. And so um, thankfully, um, not a lot of people, but I do see people on a regular basis that they don't have that. They don't have that inner energy or energy. I don't know what you call it. They don't have that element within them that is going to help them to have the drive necessary to get back to health from from a crippling disease or from a a chronic illness. Um, Because you see, you see this, right? You see people who have chronic illnesses who are thriving, and then you see the same illness in another individual, and it's totally devastated their lives. And Mm -hmm. what's the difference? It's the same disease, right? Different bodies, but it's also different minds and different energies. 
And yeah. so, you know, it's so interesting to see that because, yeah. you know, it's just like, well, why, why can't you get well? I mean, you have all the tools you need, but, but then if you don't have the will to get well, you just won't. That, that's exactly right. And, you, you know, even after the surgery as a kid and all that, I still had a smile on my face. You know, and people said, how do you still have a smile on your face? You know, and it's just like, I've always wanted to live. I never wanted to like give up. I, I never had suicide thoughts. Um, you know, I, I dived into, like I said, drinking and smoking there for a while. And then in 1988, December 1988, I had gone out drinking one more time. And I ended up in the hospital for a few days with alcohol poisoning. I drank oh so much. Oh, my goodness. And a friend came and he looked at me and he said, are you ready yet? And I knew what he meant. You know, are you, mm. are you ready? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, I'm ready. And so I've never had another syrup, never had another drop of alcohol, never had had any of that. And it's like it's almost like I had like this swooshing feeling. I mean, I can still kind of feel it, this swooshing feeling that happened December 14th, 1988. And it changed everything. And I knew from that point on, my life was going to be different. And mm. I knew that all these things that I had been struggling with, you know, prior to that, I was 30 years old now, I just turned 30, that all those things were going to go away and I was going to be okay. I just knew everything was going to be okay. And again, here I am 34 years later, and I'm still here. And I'm climbing mountains. You know, nice. once a week, I'm out climbing a butte. Why? Because I can. Right. right? right At right. one point, I couldn't do it. Yes, indeed. Right. I had a cane. It's just like I never thought I would ski again, ride a bike, do anything. But I told myself that I could do it. You know, and I, I, I will add something um, again in 88, 87, 88, when I had the, the vascular surgeries and such, I didn't know very much. I knew a little bit. My brother had started teaching some Think and Grow Rich classes in the earlier 80s. He had been trained with that. Oh, nice. And, yeah. And so I took this class and I just, you know, my first thought, well, isn't this nice? But it's still planted <laughs> seed, right? Uh, still planted seed, right? <laughs> but it's the same thing that yes. thinking rich. Absolutely. And I listen to it every single day. I listen to ten minutes of that book. I have it on audio. Listen, ten minutes. I set the timer. I listen to it every day, and I just keep going through it. I've gone nice. through it. I don't know how many times now. But it says the same thing. Yeah. Don't worry about. It, forget mm -hmm. about it. Have a great mm -hmm. life. And it's yes. not just about making money. It's about having the wealth of a good life. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, being of service, helping others, you know, living who you are, not who you aren't. Right. And that was the other thing that, that Bikram used to say too to people. I didn't do this so much, but he said, quit trying to dress like an Indian or act like an Indian. You know, like, and you know, because a lot of people like to wear dresses or garb or 
thing. Oh, so, I see. Okay, they're like, so you're, sorry you're an American. Or we're like a, a tunic. Yeah. Okay. Right. Be who you are. Don't be who I am or who my country is. Be who you are. And I think that that's a great lesson because when we are being who we are, then we're being true to ourselves and we're being true to others. Absolutely. We're not trying to put a mask on like we're somebody else. Right? But what I was going to say too about the Think and Grow Rich, when, um, and Travis was involved with this too, uh, when Rhonda Byrne went to write the book, The Secret, she, she went to my brother Bill and said, will you help me with this book? So my brother, Bill, helped Rhonda put the book together. And I started discovering more about the secret, the law of attraction. I started mm -hmm. realizing why people were throwing rocks at it. And people still throw rocks at that book and that idea. Oh, the law of attraction. You're going to sit on the couch and, you know, your Aunt Mabel is going to give you $5 million one day. Yeah, it's not going to happen. No, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> right. So like John Asraf, you know, comes along and says, well, there's the law of Goya. And people go, well, what is the law of Goya? John says the law of Goya is get off your ass. Pretty much. So you got to do something first. I mean, it doesn't yeah. work like that. <laughs> the law of attraction doesn't work unless you're in it. Or the law of attraction doesn't work unless you take action. Of course. Right. It's what triggers it. Hey, it's Dr. G, and I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. I'm so honored to have you here with me. Did you know that I can help you to get your own podcast started? With my podcasting launch course for professionals, I walk you through everything you need to know about starting a podcast. I'm with you every step of the way from sign up to launching your show with five episodes ready to go. There's a done for you version that's also available. If you would just rather just do recordings and leave the behind the scenes work up to us, then that one is definitely for you. But either way, we've got your back here at Fearless Freedom with Dr. G. Oh, if you already have a show and you need production services, we have monthly plans available for you. So check out the links in the episode show notes for more information. Let's get back to the show. So even like going back to the idea of my legs, I had this idea in my mind that I was going to be healthy and strong again. Right. But I needed to get up and walk up and down that boardwalk. The, the Goya, get off yeah. your ass. I needed to actually take that action to be able to get the result I want. Mm, yeah, not as good. Yeah, it is really good. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just so funny. People actually do think that it's like, really? I mean, come on. Like when when has anything ever what has any action not had a reaction right i mean so right. how can you expect that you're going to like drum something up out of thin air like it doesn't work yeah. like that yeah not that i know about i mean right. it might be nice but you know yeah yeah, yeah. so so yeah. funny so funny yeah. no that's great i mean that is like such a good addition because i think that people they tend to 
take snippets of things, you know, that they may hear a saying, they may hear um, the concept, they may hear like a little bit about the concept or something like the law of attraction, but they don't ever take the time to actually go and read the book, right? So they don't read it. I mean, for crying out loud, you could like listen to the audiobook, right? While you're doing something. So you can get the information. Yeah. And and because they don't do that, they just make assumptions. Like it's it's called personal development for a reason. And it is so that you can actually like evolve from one place to another. And it does require that you do something. <laughs> right. That you actually do something. Right. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I, I want to add too, and I, you know, I I teach I taught a lot of web webinars and all that kind of stuff, talks, etc. On taking quantum leaps and really understanding the law of attraction, we all do it, but we don't realize that we do it. So one one of the examples that I like to give, and I don't know what what you like to eat, and it's maybe not relevant, but I like to do the rice bowl analogy. Um, I'm primarily plant based. I like rice bowls. I like tofu rice bowls. Uh, you know, tofu and veggie and mm. and rice, etc. So I sit here in my mind and I can visualize what that rice bowl is going to look like. I can visualize the bowl it's going to go in, the rice mm-hmm. I'm going to use, mm-hmm. the veggies mm-hmm. I'm going to use. I might go pick mushrooms in the, in the woods. I might v- visualize the mushrooms that I'm going to use. Wh- whatever it is, I've got that in my mind. Those items that I don't have, you know, then I think, okay, what do I need? I need rice, I need carrots, I need broccoli, I need tofu, I need mushrooms, I need these different things, soy sauce. I'll go down to the store and I'll Mm -hmm. pick up those items that I don't have and I'll come back home and I'll put it together and make it. And then I'll put it down in my blue bowl, which I like, right? I'll put it down at my table I have now manifested what I have been visualizing an hour or two earlier. Mm-hmm. So we are visualizing and creating what we want all the time. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Right. So it's just like if we understand that and we apply that same concept to anything in the world, we can do it. Look at Elon Musk. He said, boy, I want to you know, go to space in a rocket. So yeah. what did he do? He got out, he went out and he made all this money. He figured out how to get all this money. And now he's putting, you know, spaceships, you know, in space and saying, I want to die yeah. on Mars. I don't want to die on Earth. And he probably will. Yeah. Yeah. I I could see that. I could yeah. totally see that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's um, manifestation and willpower are like two huge things. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, but, you know, it's such, it's so interesting because, most people do not acknowledge the journey, right? So you took us through your journey, right? You even said like, you know, even when you got introduced to your, to your yoga master, you'd yep. never like, you, 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 you were resistant to what he was telling you, but you uh-huh. did it anyway, right? Uh-huh. Now, so most people, you know, when they are faced, and I was just talking about this with someone earlier, um, when they're faced with, the opportunity for actually life-changing advice, they're not always ready for it. So either they take it and they just like totally disregard it, 
or they take it and they um, they take action on it, you know. And so but the person that takes the action on the advice, even though they're not totally comfortable with it or even though they don't totally agree with it, that person is usually somebody who has been working on themselves for a while before the advice was given. I call it the golden ticket. So like literally you get a golden ticket mm, once at least. Maybe if you're super fortunate, more than once. And if you're not in a position where your psyche is ready for it, you're going to totally bypass it. And it can be life-changing. I mean, just look at what, what's happening, what happened with you. I mean, it completely influenced you to the point where you've actually like manifested the help <laughs> that you were looking for. And you also are paying it forward through other people. So yeah, you were ready for your golden ticket, but not everybody's ready. You know, not everybody's right. ready and not everybody has done the groundwork in order to become ready. And yeah. I mean, I guess that looks different for different people. You know, how much personal development they would have had to have done in order to be open, because part of it is being open, you know, because I've gotten advice and I have been like, oh, I'm not sure if that's that's for me, but yeah. I consider the source where it comes from. And then I consider like, how does that, how does this advice play into the trajectory that I would like to be on? And even if I'm not comfortable with the advice, but I see that it's from a reputable source and it's also going to be benefiting me, helping me to be a better person than I was yesterday. And it's probably going to help me along the path towards where I'm headed. Then I'm going to take it, even though it's uncomfortable, because I know that the outcome is going to be positive. So, you know, you knew that you had that. And as a consequence, 34 years of amazingness. Right. I mean, that's that's really good. You know what I mean? Like, that's not that's not anything to like um, to like take lightly, because a lot of people, they get their golden ticket and they're just not ready. They don't make themselves ready. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's incredible. You have to be ready. By by the way, do you? Do, do you like America's Got Talent? You know what? I don't watch television, really. <laughs> so I, I don't you, think you, I've ever seen it. <laughs> the, the reason I ask you that is because of the golden ticket. Oh, because I was thinking about Willy Wonka. <laughs> oh, well, well, of course. Yeah, <laughs> Willy. Yeah, that's... <laughs> well, they got the golden ticket, too. So if, like, there's a performance that's really outstanding, any of the coaches can hit the button and all the golden oh. tickets come falling down on stage. And then that person, instead of having to do another show, goes Mm -hmm. right to the finals. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Because they're ready. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And I love the Willy Wonka, you know, thing, too. Yeah. 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 So that was that was more what I was thinking, (laughs) you know, but but I I mean, that is a great application of it as well, because, yeah, you you basically bypass all of the all of the like little heats and go right to the finals, which is nice. That is really nice. Well, you know, one of the things and, you know, I heard this in the welcome video on your YouTube page. Right. There's that little short one minute or so little, little video, which is really great. And one of the things that I heard you say is that you're still afraid of public speaking. Yes. Right. But look at you. You're still doing it. So, I mean, like right now you're doing public speaking. Our voice is going to go out to all these different people that are going to listen to it. But the fear is here. And maybe it's at this level 
but your desire is here. So your desires is way bigger than that fear. So it's like, who cares? You know, yeah, yes. that fears there. And I got fears sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah. We all do. It's, we, it's everybody does. Everybody. Yes. Indeed. But what's going to be bigger than the fear? I mean, you know, if a Mack truck is coming down the street, fear is normal and you're going to want to get the heck out of the way. And you should. Right. And you should. <laughs> or it's going to be a big problem or they're going to come right. to the ER and see you. Or right. maybe bypass the ER. Well, and, there's that too. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's it's um, yeah, I tell people all the time, like, you know, the the fear, you're right, the fear never really goes away. It just gets mitigated, right? The more work you do on yourself is the is the less and less it impacts your your actions, right? In the sense of like holding you back, right? Because right. people who people who have listened to the show, they know my story and how crippling it was for me to get in front of an audience and speak and, you know, how much I had to do it. I do it a lot as a doctor, right? I had to do it as a chief resident in my residency. I had to be in front of, you know, colleagues and, um, you know, that whole imposter syndrome thing. I mean, like it was, it was hard for me, but I had to do it because that was part of my job. Right. And, you know, it was, um, it was, it was necessary, but it, I learned workarounds, um, though they were quite intense. I learned workarounds to kind of deal with my fear. And, you know, really it wasn't until I acknowledged the fact that I actually had this fear of public speaking, that I was able to do the work necessary to make me more comfortable and actually excited about speaking in front of people. <laughs> Yeah. yeah so, so it's an evolution. I mean, it's something that, you know, if you put in the time and the effort, you can have a, you can have a breakthrough. You can have, a, you could thrive, you know, you right. don't have to let it be something that stops you. And um, I think that's the biggest thing that I, I always try to tell people when, when they ask me something like that, like, or they're like, wait, how could you be afraid of public speaking? I'm like, yes, I am. And if you knew what I went through, you know, like eight years ago or seven years ago, before I went up in front of a, a audience to speak, you would be like mortified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you, you know, I have this feeling and this belief that, you know, everything we already do we already know how to do it it's just learning how to do it or discovering how to do it but like public speaking you know we work with a lot of public speakers we help people get on stage we help people on um podcasts we have a relationship with podmatch which matt for the listeners that matches hosts and guests um so we we know alex really well work closely with them one of the things that i've realized over the years as well with public speaking we've almost always have known how to do it. And we started getting training as a six and seven year old. And yeah. the place that we started getting training was school. And the mm -hmm. teacher would come and say, hey, Billy or who, whoever, you know, and I picked up this rock for, for an example. Tell us about this rock that you have, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, you know, I, I get up in the front of the room as a little kid and go, well, my friend, uh, this actually, for those that know him, Gay Hendricks gave this to me. You may know who he is. I'm not sure. But he gave me this rock. And 
he had it all colored and I have it on my desk all the time and I like to rub it a lot. It's like my magic little rock. But again, as a six or seven year old, we are already learning how to do public speaking. Mm -hmm. But the teacher doesn't say, okay, this is now a public speaking class. They say, no, it's show and tell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if I can help people understand that they already know how to do it, oftentimes that fear of public speaking is gone. Right? Because virtually every, every one of us as kids have done that. Oh, yeah. At some point. Yeah. Now, at some point, somebody might have said, well, that was stupid. Why do you say that? Um, you know, and then, you know, those things that people say along the way in our journey that are non-supportive. But if a few people say non-supportive things, let's say, let's even say five. But over here, there's 100 people that say supportive things. Who are you going to listen to? This, this 100 that are supportive or the five that aren't? We tend to, we tend a to lot of to people tend group, to listen yeah. to the five. Yeah. Right? Why? I like the 100 better. I know. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know why we... I don't know if it's just a human thing or what, but like we tend to really gravitate towards the negative. Like yeah. that is just the first place that we go. And it's just like, wow, that's so unfortunate because, you know, there's so much, so much positive that you can focus on. Yeah. yeah that's why I don't really watch television. I don't really watch the news. I just, I found a few years ago that like, it was just doing things to me that I just didn't like. And yeah. so, um, I mean, I, I get snippets of kind of in general what's going on, but like, I try my best not to like actually watch the news because yeah. uh, usually it's not positive. <laughs> it's, and especially I'm right to now. Get positive I, input yeah. in my head yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. And especially I'll, right I'll, now. Yeah. Especially can I, now. Can I give a little secret that I don't tell very many people? Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite shows is. No. Hallmark movies. Oh, you know what? Those are the best. Those are really good. <laughs> I'll tell you, though, that I am like the person and my kids make fun of me. I'm the person who cries for the movie trailer. OK, so yeah. Yeah, every yeah, yeah. single time I watch one of those things, I am like bawling tissue box right you know, right next to me, a yeah. bunch of crumpled up tissues. Yeah. 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 But, it, you know, it's about love and it's about hope and it's yes. about joy. Yes. And, it's always feeling you know, good. it, it yeah. sounds really goofy and, you know, but it's like, well, I can watch that or I can watch the weekly shooting on the news. Which is horrible. Yes. It's, it's horrible. Those things yeah. that are happening are horrible. So yes. I can watch that or I can watch um, some of the animal channels. I love the animal channels. And my, my ex adopted a five-year-old. So I, well, they were adopted at birth, but she's five now. So she loves watching the animal shows. So I get oh, to sit with her and watch the animal shows. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. It just, you have to, um, you have to protect your mind. <laughs> I found. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, if it's Hallmark movies that do it, or, you know, if it's watching Animal Planet that does it, which, by the way, I mean, I, I always I mean, even as a child. So, I mean, I grew up partially in uh, Jamaica, West Indies, and we really only had one channel back then. 
Um, I think over towards the end of my time living there, we had gotten a second channel, but there really was only one channel. So whatever was on that channel was what you're watching. And they used to have like National Geographic type specials that would come on on Sunday afternoons. And we'd all watch that. It was always a lot of fun. So, yeah, and I'm glad that she enjoys watching um, animal shows because they're pretty fascinating. Yeah, pretty fascinating. Can I mention my book? Go ahead. Yes, please mention your book and mention how people can get in contact with you. So one one of the things that people kept telling me over the years is I need to write a book. I need to write a book. And the working title of the book was Walking Through the Fear. That was the initial title of it. And it ended up changing to Falling Down, Getting Up. Nice. Right? So that this is, and I purposely made it so it could be read in two hours or less. It's a short story. Starts out with when I won the golf championship in 71 and kind of goes through my story, my surgeries, my wildness, everything happened. That's kind of the first part of the book. And then the second part of the book is, is more about what somebody can do to move through it rather than stay in it, right? And to, to go through it. Um, way back when this was actually released 10 years ago. Um, I don't know if you can see it right there. We see some photos back there. Can't make out who's with you there, but. Jack Canfield. Nice. Yeah. So, um, I met Jack along the way and he became part of my initial book launch. And we launched about a list of about 700,000 people. So I went to number one in about 90 minutes. That's awesome. Because um, people just snapped it up. And then like the, the other one, you know, I mentioned Think and Grow Rich. There's yeah. like Bob Proctor, Mary Morrissey, Peggy McCall, Gay Hendricks. And we're, we're all together at a um, event that down in, um, was actually outside of LA. It was down in LA. Um, nice. It's a very so powerful I, wall you got back there. <laughs> Well, and then, and then this is a bunch of chakras over here, right? Oh, that, that's nice. a bunch of chakra symbols. That's from India. When I India, that's my diploma from the Yoga College of India from graduating from that. We didn't get too much into all that, but um, so I've got a degree from the Yoga College of India as well. Um, but if I were to say anything for the listeners, is that never give up. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. You know, keep moving forward. Practice the law of attraction and the law of Goya because they work together. Mm-hmm. You know, make up your mind what you want and then take the action to, to get it. You know, and assuming it, it's it's not hurtful to yourself or others, it will right. likely yeah. manifest itself. You know, and just live a, a good life. You know, I, I have my goal in 2022 right now is to go to a butte a week, either butte or ridge. I, I'm mostly okay. off trail. I don't do very many trails. We, we, we say where, where I live, we say trails are for the tourists, right? Wow. <laughs> so so <laughs> we're, we're off trail most of the time. So once a week, I'm going up to the top of some butte because uh-huh. I can. And because of, of the view, because I like the grander vision. Nice. So I, I would add in, you know, is to if your listeners to find something that gives you a grander vision, a bigger vision for your life. You don't necessarily need to the top of the mountain, but 
but find something that maybe that gets instilled. And it helps us see things differently. It helps us live our lives differently when we have a bigger perspective on things. Because it's easy Absolutely. to get caught up in, in the minutia and the little stuff, right? Yes, it is very easy yeah. to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and if I can add um, one more thing, if anybody wants a copy of the book, they just go to michaelbharris.com forward slash book. Now, if you go to Michael B. Harris, you can do that, but there's no link there to get the book. So it, it's kind of a hidden link. So you have to add the book on the end. But if you do go there and you want to learn about speaking, speaking on stage, getting your message out on any platform, is they can do that by, by going there, opting into what we call endless stages. And we have a ton of free resources everything from the fear of public speaking, overcoming mm-hmm. it, creating your signature talk, all sorts of free resources. We have everybody from brand new speakers that are just learning to get their message and story out to the most experienced speakers in the world. So there's a broad range of people there. And nice. we don't really teach anything new. We teach people what they already know to help them bring that out of themselves so they can live the life they want. Love it. Love it. (laughs) That is, that is a perfect segue into the uh, fill in the blanks. Are you ready for that? I'm I'm ready. Okay. Am I ready? Okay. I think you're ready. You're ready. Okay. Ready. (laughs) All right. The, The first one is to me, fearless freedom means. Fearless freedom to me means living the life that I want to in a graceful, loving way that supports others in the world. Love it. Love it. (laughs) The next one is, if I am fearless, I will. If I am fearless. Oh, boy. That's a good one. If I am fearless. What's coming to my mind right now, if I am fearless, I will climb to the top of the other, to the top of any mountain. And I don't mean that just literally. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. I got the visual for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. And then the last one is my battle cry is. The first thing that popped up was go for it. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. I mean, go for it. What do you have to lose? You have absolutely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely nothing but the regret <laughs> of never doing it. That's it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like you. you. You've got a great show. Like I said, I've listened to some of your other shows and your guests on there are just outstanding. I know a few of them and I don't know some of them and I'm going to go back and listen to some of them because you know, this whole idea of this fearless freedom is just, it's so powerful. And I think in today's world, we need it because there is so much fear in the world and we need to have a certain fearless aspect of ourselves to help love and support ourselves and others in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So big kudos for you for getting everybody's message and story out. Thank you. Thank you. What started as my own um, 
selfish act <laughs> of trying to talk to people who were facing fear and how they did it has turned into something incredible. So I'm just super grateful to have the platform and to have um, been able to have people on the show and for so many years. So it's really cool. Really, really yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, I thank you for your time. It was a really great conversation. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure people will reach out to you and get the book because it looks like it is a great read. And um, and look at the resources that you have in regard to public speaking, because they know that's the number one fear. People fear public yes. speaking over fearing of death. So, that's right. you know, <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that was fascinating. <laughs>